lie or loud. Uh, Jerusalem book is here, so if you're online watching, send me uh, an address through an email, and I'll send you a copy of the Jerusalem book, 312 pages, colored photos, and uh, we've got plenty of them that we're handing out. Uh, we are in the book of Mark, chapter 2. Uh, Tony, I need a, some notes. These are the notes right here. Nope. Uh, we started off last week with the first of the five conflicts that Jesus has. We went through first of where he had five demonstrations of his authority as, as the Son of God, the Son of Man, as the Messiah. And remember, he's shying away from the title of Messiah. And what you start see him using in the book of Mark is the title Son of Man, which is going to mean that it is God in the flesh, that God has become the seed of the woman, that he is a man, but he's doing the work of the Messiah. But when you say Messiah, at this time in history, it's got this baggage that comes with it that means a military figure that's going to overthrow Rome. And all of a sudden now, Jesus' conflict is no longer just with the spiritual kingdom that he's come against the kingdom of Satan, but it's against the Roman, the physical powers of the government, and that's not what he's coming for. So we had five demonstrations of his authority which included calling the disciples uh, he, uh, authority over disease, authority over uh, the demons, even the demons wanting to talk, and he would not let them speak because he wants to identify his own ministry. Well, as he identifies it uh, and he begins to teach, one of the things he's doing is he's got teaching with authority, not so much just uh, a scholar quoting all the other scholars of the ages. He's explaining the text of Scripture and doing it with authority. And so that brings out the scribes. And the scribes that we I identify here, they are the teachers of Israel, the teachers of the law, or uh, they're the teachers of the Word of God. In, in most cases, they are Pharisees. Uh, the Pharisees are going to be identified for the first time. It's going to be mentioned here. They are a sect of the Jews uh, uh, coming out of the... Uh, they're the conservatives. They're uh, coming out of the Maccabean revolt that revolted against the Seleucids and Antiochus Epiphanes back in 175 to 163 in that time period when uh, the Seleucids came down and forced the uh, Jews to start following the Gentile law and forsaking, f- forced them to forsake their written word, their, their law of Moses. Wouldn't let them circumcise their children. They uh, made them get rid of the, the scriptures, wouldn't allow them to have copies of the scripture. Well, the Maccabees, a priestly family, rose up, revolted against the Greeks, the Seleucids coming out of Syria, and led a revolt that was successful. That led into a group that became known as the Separatists. They separated from the Greek culture and led Israel back into uh, the law and reestablished themselves as a nation. And so it was a heroic group. They were the conservatives. They were the ones that were holding to the traditions of uh, the law, the traditions of the nation. Uh, but as they've progressed here, Jesus is going to criticize them for two things. Is one of being hippo, hypocrites. How do you spell hypocrites? Uh, they're saying a lot of things, but not always able to do what they do, but they cover it up, make it look, putting the mask on. Hypocrite means put the mask on so they look good. But also, they've got their own traditions, things they've added to the law, in a sense, to protect it, put a boundary around the law of Moses. But the, the Word of God stands alone. You don't necessarily need all of these boundaries and rules and regulations because now that begins, you start following these rules and regulations 
and you're not any longer following or learning the word of God, you're learning the traditions. And so Jesus, you're never going to see Jesus coming against the law of Moses. In fact, you're going to see him talking later on in some, especially the other gospels, he's going to eat and dine and talk with the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. They're going to have conversations. We see a lot of animosity but we do see even uh, early on him talking to Nicodemus, one of the Pharisees. We see him uh, at his death, Joseph of Arimathea, a member of the Sanhedrin or a Pharisee. So there are going to be some scribes because their goal was to teach the law. And as things progress, they're going to see Jesus agreeing with them, a handful of them. But most of them are going to see him as an opposition because he comes against their traditions or doesn't support their traditions like they want him to. He never comes against the law of Moses, but is fulfilling the law of Moses, but is not impressed with their traditions as they've added to it, which reminds us of the verse in Revelations, or Revelation, where it says, uh, do not add to or take away from the Word of God. And we're always critical of people who take away from the Word of God, but at the same time, those who add to it. And these would be an example of the the conservatives, the zealots, not they weren't the political zealots of the time, but they had great zeal for the law of Moses, and so they would kind of expand it a little bit, kind of, like I say, protect it, which in a sense was now you're promoting your ideas and not teaching the Word of God. Uh, so anyway, that's the scribes are going to come into this, and we're going to see now with Jesus having uh, demonstrated authority, he's gathered a crowd around, and wherever he goes, a crowd follows or forms, and the scribes, these scribes, the teachers of the law, members of the Pharisees are going to come out and begin to criticize him. And we're going to see now, beginning in Mark 2, five conflicts that Jesus has with the religious leaders. And I got that on the top of the page there. Uh, Mark chapter 2, verse 13 through 28 is what we're looking at. The notes are online underneath the live video feed on generationword.com. Click on the little notes button there. Mark begins a series of five conflicts that Jesus has with religious leaders. We looked at the first one last week, uh, forgiving uh, the paralyzed man uh, of his sins. And that was like, you know, he, that was a perfect trap. We'll review that a little bit of where they, they, they step right into it. And Jesus demonstrates with their own words that he is who he says he is. Uh, tonight, we're going to see him eating with tax collectors and sinners. We'll spend some time discussing that. Uh, it's going to involve the calling of Levi, when he says, follow me, a tax collector in Capernaum. Uh, that's going to lead into a question. They're going to come up. Both John's disciples and the Pharisees are going to come ask a question in chapter 2 about Jesus fasting. We don't see him fasting. And his disciples aren't fasting, and they're going to have a question about that. There's going to be uh, him picking the grain on the Sabbath, and then in chapter 3, starting chapter 3, uh, he's going to be healing on the Sabbath. And these are all going to be conflicts that they think that Jesus has with them and the law of Moses, but Jesus is not violating the law of Moses in anything. I, there's no point where Jesus comes against the law of Moses. You, you get this idea that Jesus is in conflict with we'll say religion, and that religion then is the, the law of Moses, but he's not in conflict with the religion of the Jews or the law of Moses. He's in conflict with what they've added to the law because it would make no sense. It would make no sense whatsoever for Jesus to be the Word and the law of Moses to be given by God on Mount Sinai, which has to include 
a theophany of some sort, you know, if it's at the bush, if it's on the mountain, if it's, if it's, if it's a Moses uh, speaking to the Lord while he's in the tabernacle, that would be the Son of God. The Son of God who has become flesh now is Jesus. And now he shows up as a man in the flesh and contradicts everything he said. So Jesus, in his ministry, in his life, has to be in agreement with the law of Moses. But when you see him, like, radically outside the rails of, of their religion, it's, it's what they've built up around their religion that has nothing to do with the law of Moses that he comes in conflict with. And so everything can be explained that way. Now, we saw last week uh, where in, in, in at the beginning, I'll read it here, chapter 2, verse 1, just in review, and then I want to point something out. Uh, chapter 2, verse 1, reading in the NIV. We'll just read through this, uh, review a few things. I want to show you a couple of pictures I've got in the, in, the, in the notes there. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, now he'd been out traveling through the cities of Galilee, he comes back into Capernaum. The people heard that he had come home, again, either Peter's home or his home. So they gathered that, so, so many gathered that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. So he's now teaching them the second time around. He's, he's gone off and he's gathered a, a crowd. He's gathered some attention. Wherever Jesus goes, a crowd forms. And what you're going to see even later on in chapter 2 here tonight, when the, as the crowd begins to gather, Jesus begins to teach, begins to give them information, explaining things to them. And so that's what he's doing. And he preached the word to them. Some men came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four of them. Since they could not get get him to jesus because of the crowd they made an opening in the roof above jesus and after digging through it lowered the mat and mat the paralyzed man was lying on when jesus saw their faith he said to the paralytic son your sins are forgiven now several things here i just want to point this out you had the you've seen in in the in the uh pictures of capernaum already the the stone walls that you've got there just the walls of the 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 building that's the house right there and then you've got the roof and what they would do with this roof they would run boards across it some kind of beams across it like what we would say uh we would have uh uh trusses or something you know up in there and then on top of that they'd lay brush or uh, uh not brush but uh some kind of yeah branches or, or grain or some kind of plant that they would put on there and then on top of that they'd cover it up with mud so you'd have the the head uh, the the trusses or the beams going across here then you'd have some kind of you know plants or something laying on just not planted but just like branches laying on there then on top of that you'd put mud and what you've got or dirt and that was solid that was solid you could walk on it it didn't seem like you could walk on it but with the, the branches and the mud on top of it, it would look like, uh, go to page three of the notes, uh, and that's what they're, they're doing right here. How many of you guys know Arlen? You guys know Arlen? That's Arlen there on, that's a roof right there. That first picture is Arlen on a roof, and what he's actually got is you can see the, that picture there and the picture below it, and even the third picture over here. Uh, you can see the walls of a house. This is in Beth- Beth- Bethesda. You can see the the walls of the house from the first century. And then he's actually walking on the roof uh, because there's beams going across there. And then there's the 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 branches, the the, you know, the plants. And then there's mud and there's a roller. He's pulling a roller, a, a stone roller. It would be a stone, probably basalt stone, 
carved into a cylinder, and they would roll that. That's what they would actually use to roll the roofs and roll this flat and pack that mud down. I mean, they're making, you know, they're making sheetrock. They're making plywood. They're making some kind of a dense roof that then you could walk up. And on the side of the house, there would be some kind of stairway going up, just nothing more than to be able to access the roof of the house and then that's where you would sleep in the, so you could sleep, that's where, you know, they could sleep inside the house, but you could sleep there on a hot night. You could sit there in the evening. Uh, they would use that for a variety of reasons. They could use it for storage. But what is happening, and that's what you can see right there. Arlen is on the roof right there. Uh, there there's a, you can see the second picture right here. That's Carl Rasmussen, uh, the author of Zonervan's Bible Atlas right here. And he, you can just see his head. He's looking up over the top, talking to Arlen, telling him that we're standing there watching Arlen with the roller. And he's explaining at this time this very process of how they made the roof. And Arlen's, again, he's, he's walking on the roof. He's not like, ah, falling through. Uh, but he's on the roof. And it's, it looks just like, looks like a yard. It looks just like, you know, dirt packed down that you could walk on it. And that's exactly what it is. Then if you want to, you could go. There's a picture right there at the bottom. Now you're in just, I just grabbed that because that's inside the house and there's a little fireplace or some pottery and then right above there you'd see the beams and so that that's exactly it, it makes exact sense what they would have done they would have tore through it they would have went up went up this they can't get in and again there would be like a foyer an open court area out here so the people looking in windows and looking in the doors they're standing outside here because there'd be many rooms connected together with an open court where they'd probably be where they did their cooking well anyway they just went up this if it be some kind of a stairway, some kind of a, a ladder of some sort to access this, which the people would have done normally. But all, what they did, then they started just chipping away, tearing at this mud uh, and pulling away any kind of supports that they had there except the beams. And then between the beams, they would have lowered the mat down inside the, the structure right there. And so you can imagine while Jesus is teaching, this is all going on while Jesus is teaching. And as they're like raccoons up there digging through the roof stuff's falling down and you can you know i'm not sure how you know they just waited or if jesus kept on teaching and dirt is falling and people are like what's going on jesus just kept composure and we don't know but then all of a sudden the mat is lowered down and when they say a mat, it could be it could be a variety of things. It could be like a stretcher. It could be you know some kind of a, a blanket with four corners being held out. And they lowered him down, and now he's in the middle of the room with a hole in the ceiling. Now again, they'd have to patch that up, but uh, but that would either be most likely that would either be Peter's house, and that would be probably that center room that we saw in Peter's house, or that could have been the house that Jesus was staying in, along with his mother and maybe his brothers after they moved from nazareth to capernaum that was the house but nonetheless that's just a little more detail i, I thought of that after we were talking about class that i've got a picture of an actual roof from the new testament times and there's i got many other pictures from that that i guess i could see uh anyway and that that will look a lot nicer online because they'll they'll be in color nonetheless the man's lower down and jesus says son your sins are forgiven now, some teachers of the law were sitting there. Now, that's the word scribes. That's those scribes and most likely associated with the Pharisees uh, were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Now, that's, in a sense, the trap, that only God can do this. Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit, and right there, the very fact that he knows in his spirit what they're thinking indicates he's more than human. 
I mean, we can always guess, you know, I, you know, I can kind of tell what people are thinking because of the way I'm acting or things I'm saying. But Jesus knows in their heart, he's perceiving exactly, not just anticipating, but he's knowing what they're thinking because he's more than man, he's God. In their hearts, and he said to them, why are you thinking these things? I mean, almost like he's having a conversation with their thoughts. Why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say, easier to say to the paralytic your sins are forgiven or say get up take your mat and walk but that you may know that the son of man see there's that there's that title there's the messiah that you may know that the messiah but he's not going to use messiah and again this is me teaching you you don't have to accept my interpretation of this but he's not doesn't say the christ the messiah the long-awaited one the seed of the woman because all that has the ideal of a military leader that's going to overthrow the nations, which will take place at the second coming. But this time he didn't come to overthrow the nations. He came as a man with a human body to take away the sins. He's going to be the sacrifice. It's important that he comes as a man, not just to overthrow the nations, but as a man, because we need that sacrifice. You know, what good will it be for man to gain the whole world, but yet forfeit his soul? So he has to be a man, and he's the son of man. But now as the man... He's going to be acting and talking like God, which means this Son of Man is indeed someone special. This is the one we've been waiting for. But he calls himself the Son of Man. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority, there's that word authority again, on earth to forgive sins. In other words, so that you may know that the Son of Man, while he's on earth, is still God, he says, he said to the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home and so in the midst of that room with the dirt laying on the floor the hole in the roof the friends apparently looking down the man stands up and again the picture would be that he's walking out of the room uh but you think if you got a front row seat with jesus teaching you'd stand up walk and say well i might just stay and listen i mean it doesn't say he did that i the picture is that he walks home but why would you walk home i you know that's i think well can i have a seat here can i listen uh he got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. So there he goes. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. So that is the first conflict there in Capernaum after Jesus had been traveling through Galilee. And we've got four more coming here. And here is the next one. I'll read it in the, uh, in, in the NIV here, and then we'll go look at the notes. Uh, once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. Now, again, you, looking at those pictures we looked at a few weeks ago, you know that if, if, if it is Peter's house, or even if you're in the area of the synagogue, the, the Sea of Galilee is just like right there. It's as, it's as close as the end of the block here in our neighborhood. You can see it from there. So he goes out to the Sea of Galilee. Again, we don't know if that was you know after he got done teaching, he goes out there and they just follow him, or if it's the next day. But once again, and another time, Jesus went out beside the lake. And a large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. And that's exa- that, that idea right there is, we'll look at that when we go through the notes, is as the crowd gathers, Jesus doesn't just necessarily make small talk. As they begin to come to him, they're coming for a reason. He begins to explain to them. He's teaching them. Right away, he starts teaching. Uh, and again, I don't know if we want to think of this as he began Bible class, and he's going to start and with this verse and go through this material, as much as he began to you know, dialogue, explain to them what, what is going on. And we have some examples of his, of his messages. We have several of his messages. John's got a, a, a nice collection of his messages 
his discourses after a sign he always gave a discourse as he walked along now he's been teaching now he's walking along he saw levi son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth now this is all very interesting stuff we'll talk about it follow me jesus told him and levi got up and followed him and that's loaded with information while jesus was having dinner at levi's house he was does and he's not just having a snack he's like well can you come over for a sandwich it's it's a formal banquet uh many tax collectors and sinners and in the niv that sinners is in quotes uh in here and again the word means sinners but it depends on who's calling them a sinner uh we'll look at that again uh sinners were eating with him and his disciples for there were many who followed him uh so you've got jesus you've got levi you've got tax collectors you've got this group called sinners and then you've got the disciples and the point there is many people were there because many people are following jesus now again the disciples have we don't have 12 disciples yet so when it says this is the first time the word disciples is used by mark but we we don't we can't think of 12 this is the 12 because we don't have the 12 yet in fact we just got levi one of the 12 so disciples is maybe a broader term of those who are they've been following him around and they followed him now to this location when the teachers of the law there's your word scribes who were pharisees and that's the correct it's not it's not scribes and pharisees it's the teachers of the law or the scribes who were pharisees that's the safest way of reading that saw him eating with the quote again sinners and tax collectors they asked his disciples why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners now that that's going to be totally they will not i'm going to show you a list of just a few things that's totally unacceptable that that's like ridiculous why why would he even go in there that that violates everything but what it violates is their traditions that they've built this this protective rail to guard the word or the law of moses but that's their their guards it's it's not the word of god he's not violating anything except their traditions on hearing this jesus said to them here's his answer it is not the healthy who need a doctor but the sick i have not come to call the righteous or in this case the self-righteous now you can read that either way righteous but the sinners you guys are okay i'm looking for these people but are you really righteous because you can't get into heaven with righteousness you're going to need the savior so that righteous may be self-righteous you're not even looking for an answer you've already found your answer these people are the ones looking uh but sinners so that's that's that right there so we've got now written down here on your notes uh this is verses 13 through 17 and now we got the english standard version i'm going to read it again quickly so you hear it in the english standard version he went out again beside the sea and all the crowd was coming to him and he was teaching them as they were coming and as he passed by he saw levi the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth and he said to him follow me and he rose and followed him and as he reclined at table in his house now again his house whose house in the way it's written even in the greek jesus house or levi's house we don't know yet i think as you read on it's pretty clear it's levi's house but even as it's written it could be he said jesus house Uh, i think it's levi's 
Many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. And the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to the disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. In other words, these are the people I came for. Um, Just some notes on here, uh, point one, two, uh, in chapter two, verse 13. He was teaching them, may mean he began to teach them. That's the way it would be written in the Greek. He began to teach them as they were coming to him. It wasn't necessarily like he had class scheduled. Uh, but as they came to him, his natural reaction to people coming to him, because they're coming for something, they're coming for a reason, they're coming with questions, they're coming with problems, he began to teach them as they were coming. So his natural reaction when he meets people is to begin to teach them. It's, it's, he is the word, he is the great teacher, the great communicator. So he begins to teach them, and whenever a crowd forms, he begins to teach, explain things. Meaning, anytime a crowd started to form around Jesus, his first response was to start explaining things to them and teaching them what they needed to understand about his mission and the plan of God. In other words, he, as they came, he began to explain to them who he was. He began to identify, instead of them bringing their preconceived ideas, he began to do the talking. It wasn't, it wasn't the demons that were doing the explaining, it was him. Chapter 2, verse 14, son of Elpheus... Now, in, in Matthew, and again, we don't want to start bouncing around all the Gospels, otherwise we're going to end up teaching a harmony of the Gospels. But in Matthew, uh, the book of Matthew, and we'll look in verse chapter 9 of Matthew in a minute, the son of Elpheus is going to be Matthew. So again, it's pretty clear, Levi and Matthew are the same, uh, and he is the son of Elpheus. As, as we read this here. Um, now, as we go through this, both names are used. At this time, in the first century in Judea, in Galilee, amongst the Jews, the people that were called Levi, now this is not a slam dunk, this is just kind of like a, a pretty clear assumption, but if you're called Levi, you are from the tribe of the Levite. You're a, a, a Levite. And the Levites were part of the Levitical priesthood. They were the ones that were the assistants in the, t- the tabernacle or the temple. They were also distributed among the land of Israel. They had their own Levitical cities in the days of the Old Testament because they were the ones who were to teach the people. They were the teachers. So that in every, every, every tribe, there was a city, a Levitical city, that was used for a variety of reasons, but there were stationed there the teachers. Uh, they would serve in the temple or the tabernacle. Uh, they were good with swords. They were good with knives because that's what they did. They were the, the housekeepers or the, the, the gatekeepers. You know, uh, it's better to be a gatekeeper in the house of the Lord than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. The gatekeepers were the Levites. It doesn't just mean you're standing you know, uh, at the gate. You are a Levite, and you're there to protect the holiness of God uh, as a servant. So it is possible that Levi... Or Matthew, the son of Elpheus, was a Levite, and he's going to be now. He is a tax collector. He's a tax collector for the Romans, and he is at Capernaum. So th- this is quite a fall uh, from being a, 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 a Levite. And again, we don't want to put too much pressure on the idea that he's a Levite. 
because it doesn't say specifically there. But I think we can assume, at least keep that in the back of your mind. But to be a tax collector, he's working now for the Romans, which (laughs) this is who the Messiah is supposed to overthrow. In, In the Jewish mind, you're supposed to come and overthrow the Romans. But now, contrary, even if they're starting about uh, he must be the Messiah, when he sees Levi, just his eyes may just scorch Levi into a powder of burnt, charred ashes because he's working with the enemy and he's supposed to be in the temple or or he's supposed to at least be a good Jew. But instead, he goes to the tax collector and calls him to follow him. Now, several things about that. I mean, there's several things. I I don't want to skip this. But that phrase, follow me, Again, you don't want to read too much into that because that's what it says. He just says, he went to the tax collector's booth and says, follow me. So you get, again, just dropping it like that, you get the impression that Jesus is walking from the Sea of Galilee where he got done teaching, walking by the tax booth. They say, hey, follow me. And Levi just walks out and follows him. But there's got to be, it doesn't have to be, but you've got to think there's a backstory in this whole thing because he goes from teaching the crowd to say, and follow me. And the next thing you see is he's in a house at a banquet. And the same phrase, follow me, was used when Jesus did the same thing to Peter and Andrew and James and John. He's just walking along the coast of the Sea of Galilee and sees Peter and Andrew says, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. And does the same thing to James and John. So it just, he's, he's just randomly picking up strangers to follow him if you read it like that. But we know from the book of John very clearly that Andrew and Peter and James and John met Jesus through John the Baptist's ministry down by the, uh, the, the Jordan River, and they, they met him before and after, the, a couple of them, before and after the, the wilderness experience, definitely after, and they traveled with him up to uh, 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 Cain, uh, uh, Nazareth, uh, uh, Cana, where they had the wedding, and so they were, and they saw the first miracle, and then it was after that Jesus walking on the Sea of Galilee says, "Come, follow me." So they met him through John the Baptist. He was introduced to them as the Lamb of God, so they knew what John identified him as. They traveled with him, which means they had talks. They they'd spent time together. They went to a wedding. They saw a miracle, uh, and then Jesus says, "Follow me." With that being said. Jesus is the same thing to Levi that he said to Peter, Andrew, James, and John, which just leaves me thinking at least that this is not just a blind, hey, come follow me. It's like they've got some kind of a history. They've, they've had some kind of e- exchange at some level. Does that make sense? I mean, that's just that's, that's an assumption, but it's uh, the same thing happened in chapter 1 with James and John, but there's a whole history before that. And then next... They end up at a dinner. Uh, okay, dinner. Spelling it wrong here. Dinner and at Levi's house. And how did they end up there? Just goes into the verse. They're just all of a sudden at a, at a meal. So there had to be some preparation. There had to be some kind of invitation because it's a, it's a big big deal. This this dinner. Now, let's look at a few things on here on this tax collector. Oh, a couple of yeah. I want to go to Matthew chapter nine. I just want to read this. Matthew chapter 9, again, this is not something I want to start doing, but I'm going to do it here. Um, Matthew chapter 9, just so you hear the same story, chapter 9, verse 9 of Matthew. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. 
Follow me, he told him, and Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house. See, that clarifies, otherwise in Mark it sounds like it could be Jesus' house. At Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus says, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Uh, Again, mercy, meaning I desire mercy. I'm going to show you mercy because your sacrifices can't do it. Uh, for I have called the sinners who are going to need my sacrifice or my mercy, not the righteous who are offering all these sacrifices. So the righteous kept piling up these sacrifices, where at the end of the day, all those sacrifices meant nothing except you're looking for an answer, and now God is going to give you mercy, and if you continue to offer sacrifices for your righteousness, you needed to walk away from the sacrifice and just say, I'm a sinner, and receive the mercy. And so that's... uh, Again, notice what book this is. This is the book of Matthew or the book of Levi. This is Levi or Matthew's account of the same thing. And that's another whole conversation. But also you've got chapter 10, verse 3, which is interesting. Uh, I think this is... Oh, I've got to to show you one other thing. Chapter 10, verse 3. Here's the names of the disciples. Uh... Chapter 10, verse 2, these are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, who was called Peter, and his brother Andrew. James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. Uh, That's also interesting. James, the son of Zebedee, and his little brother John. I mean, that's exactly the way that's written. Philip and Bartholomew. Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector. Now watch this. James, son of Alphaeus. And Thaddeus. Simon the Zealot, and you know who's the Zealots, that's a political group. But notice after uh, Matthew the tax collector comes who? James, son of Alphaeus. Now that doesn't mean anything except Matthew or Levi and James both had a father named Alphaeus. But so did James and John had a father named Zebedee. So Matthew or Levi may be known as the tax collector, but it is at least worth suggesting. And his brother, James, who was also the son of Alphaeus. So James and, uh, that's not, you know, James and John. This, that's James, the son of Zebedee. This is James, the son of Alphaeus. Could they be brothers? That's, that's all the further we can go with that. Their fathers have the same, same name. And, and it may be two different people named Alphaeus, and these guys are total strangers. But nonetheless, that's interesting to see that in there. And uh, they don't make a big deal about it, but not all the details are, are recorded. Um, you see the same thing in point D right there. Uh, Mark 18 says the same thing. Introduces James, son of Alphaeus, is also mentioned in Mark 18. Okay, point three. Levi was, a, was at a tax booth or a toll booth uh, where customs were collected on items being transported into Herod Antipas's territory, which was Galilee. So if I can do this very quickly, I mean, here's the Sea of Galilee right here, the Jordan River. Uh, this would be Galilee right here. You know, here's uh, Nazareth. Here's Capernaum right here. But this would be Herod Antipas. But over here on this side, over here on the east, 
would be uh, Philip, Herod Philip. Uh, and remember, Antipas took Philip's wife, Herodotus, and so that was a, a conflict. That's how John the Baptist ended up getting in trouble. But anytime goods would be brought in to Antipas's territory, now these guys were ruling for Rome. They were the, the leaders of this territory under Rome. So Rome has put these guys, they've only got power because Rome has allowed them to have the power. The taxing would be, taxation would take place when things were being brought in, or the fish from the Sea of Galilee would be taxed, and they would have a toll booth. Notice it's not a, a building or an office. Uh, it's a toll booth, so it would be sitting alongside of a road. We're familiar with you know toll roads. Uh, when they would come in, they'd have to have their goods inspected, and, and Levi would be sitting there, there doing the inspecting and then charging the tax to bring stuff in from this territory into Herod Antipas's territory and he'd be charging them money now the tax collecting this started uh way back going back to the Seleucid times when uh you know let's go back to say 200 BC when the Seleucids were ruling in the north and the Ptolemies were ruling in the in Egypt in, in Syria and Egypt, uh, and they were the Greeks. After Alexander had died, that the kingdom was divided into four parts. You had the Seleucids in Syria, the Ptolemies, and they would go back and forth and fight using Israel. What they would do, they would take, if they could control, if Egypt could control, or the Ptolemies in Egypt could control Israel, the trade routes, they would have a buffer zone between who they're at war with the solutions or vice versa the solutions could get control and so a lot of battles were fought on who controlled israel at that time because it was like the land bridge between assyria between syria and egypt one of the things they began to do was and this was a it's a lot of details in the book of the maccabees about this was there'd be uh, uh families that would sell themselves to not like slaves but they'd agree with the egyptians and they'd say we will gi- we will give you this much money if you give us the authority and the paperwork and the, and the protection to collect the taxes for your government. And so what they would do is they would take Jews, give them the authority, and the Jews would then start charging people taxes and collect the taxes for the Ptolemies. And vice versa, the Seleucids would do the same thing. And so during that time period, say between 200, 200 B.C. to, you know, let's say the time of Christ, let's just say New Testament time up until this time here, the tax collectors... Had become, were, were the, the natives, the Jews, in their own territory, instead of working for the Jews like the Maccabees, sided with the Jews and fought the enemy, they would just simply sell out to the enemy and say, yeah, I'll work for you and I'll collect the money. And when they collect the money, the Ptolemies or the Seleucids, the Greeks in either Egypt or Syria, would say, we need, you know, let's just say $100,000. And we're going to give you the authority to collect our $100,000. So you're responsible for this amount of money. Well, now the tax collector would have to somehow figure out how he's going to get $100,000. But if he collected $200,000, he would have an extra $100,000 profit. That's where he, they, they didn't, they weren't like IRS. It'd be like the IRS. They don't work for the government. They work for the government. And so we need this much money from the, the IRS agents. Now, I'm not sure how you're going to make any money, but I'd suggest you charge your clients. And so whenever they'd come and they'd inspect you and they'd charge you the tax that you need to pay the government that they were responsible for collecting, 
they tack on $5. Maybe it's the holidays. They need $10. And so it was a very subjective, uh, flexible amount of money that would be added on to the taxing. And so the, the tax, and, and Levi went into that business. Levi was a Jew collecting taxes at a toll booth in Capernaum as the Jews are bringing things or the Gentiles are bringing things across or as things are going out, he's charging money. They've got to pay tolls. And how is he making money? He's making money by just adding on his, for his services. It's no different than doing construction work and I buy material that I'm going to put it into your house and then I charge you, maybe the, the, the plywood costs $25 and I would charge you $25 for the material and then my labor, but you know what? I had to pick the plywood up. I'm going to charge you $35 for the plywood. So the very fact that I bought the plywood, brought it here, I made $10 bringing the plywood. I'm charging you $35 for the plywood. And you add this up, there's your bill, and that's what, that's what Levi was doing. He was just adding on his, his services to that at a toll booth. Now here's some things. Uh, obviously, everyone understood that. But, and Levi's not just a Jew on his own. He's got some kind of military. He's got paperwork. He's got military protection. When you come against Levi, he's got, he can bring the authority of Herod Antipas or Rome is supporting Antipas. Antipas is supporting Levi as long as Levi is doing his job. So you can't just say, Levi, I'm not going to pay it. You push him out of his toll booth. I mean, you'd have, well, try that with the IRS sometime. Um, Here's the thing, point A, Capernaum was the first, I'm on page one, three A, Capernaum was the first major city travelers would have entered coming from the northeast territory of Herod Philip. It was very likely Levi would have also collected taxes for Rome on fish caught, transported. So there's a very, like since Philip, uh, uh, Peter and Andrew, James and John, sons of Zebedee, who's got a fishing business, it's very, very likely Levi was familiar with the Zebedee fishing business and Peter and, and Andrew's little startup business or whatever it was, and uh, he was making money. So when Jesus introduces Levi to Peter, it's kind of like, yeah, we know each other. <laughs> but he knows him as an IRS agent, and, and, and Levi knows Peter as someone who's always trying to, well, get away from having to pay his taxes. Uh, point C. There's so many good lessons in this whole thing for all of us as we look at the politics and our culture and our government and international relationships that Jesus brings a whole group of people together and the focus is on the kingdom. Uh, I mean, churches can learn something from this whole thing is the fact that, yeah, we've all got political ideas, we've all got social ideas, but are are you a Christian or are you upon i mean are you a christian working for the kingdom of god yes you've got to be in this world but are you really building the kingdom of god or are you fighting for some political agenda and you've got like you know the zealot there's going to be a member you've got a tax collector you've got some workers uh anyway there's just a lot of and, and jesus doesn't just go out and call a bunch of pharisees now if i was the christ i would probably have went for 12 good pharisees you know, and let's get this thing, let's set up some teaching centers and let's get this thing back on track. And it's like, and Jesus, does, he calls fishermen, he calls tax collectors, he calls military people. He's got a wide collection of people. And the thing is, what they're bringing to the table has nothing to do with it. We're not working for the Republicans or the Democrats or the Chinese or the Russians. We're working for the kingdom of God. And you may be a Democrat and a Republican, you may be a Chinese spy, whatever, but 
now that you're in the kingdom of God, this is what we're going to be doing. And you're, the Chinese spy has to work with the Republican who voted for Trump and the guy who voted for Biden, but you're all now working for the kingdom of God and you're going to have to get, to get over these differences. And uh, I mean, that sounds impossible right now today, working for a, a mega, working with a Biden voter who's also uh, working with a Chinese spy. And it's like, we're all going to just get, get along for the kingdom of God. It's like, well, that ain't going to happen. And that's what those guys thought, too. You can see some of the conversations. Nonetheless, let's go back to this. Um, uh, point C, tax collectors were not paid by Rome, but instead charged the people the t- money I, I told about. Now, here, point D is what I want to get to. Some Jewish rules from the Mishnah concerning tax collectors. In other words, this is what they would write to explain how to, how to obi- obey the law of Moses. These were some rules, some of those guardrails around dealing with, for in this case, guys like Levi. Number one, donations could not be accepted from a tax collector since they were considered illegal. So a tax collector could not come to your synagogue and bring a donation. We, we, no, you are an illegal position collecting illegal money. You can't bring this here and make a donation to it. You can't even give it to the poor. Your money is worthless. Your money is unclean. Now, that would, be what, that would be the way a Pharisee or a teacher of the law would view Levi's money. He'd say, well, here, let me help the poor. You can't help the poor with that kind of money. We don't even want your money. Everything in a house became unclean if a tax collector entered. If they came into your house and you're a Jew and you've got a clean house, you've got all the rituals, everything else, and a tax collector comes in, instantly everything is like, you're going to have to throw away certain pottery. You're going to have to cleanse certain other things. It's like, oh, we've got to shut this thing down. A, a, a tax collector was in our house. Rabbis taught that it was permissible to lie to a tax collector well, because they're trying to steal from you. You've got to protect yourself and your property. You can lie to Levi. How many fish did you catch? Didn't catch any fish today, and yet you caught fish today. That's not a lie because that Levi, the tax collector, is not even a real person. He's a, he's, he's a criminal. So, now, the point here, Jesus is going to come, he's, he's passing by the toll booth. Maybe Levi's, he's, if you're passing by the toll booth, uh, you're, you're coming or going, uh, are you bringing goods in? Levi's probably got to inspect Jesus' bag. I, I don't know, I'm adding to the story. But he's passing by the toll booth, unless he just walked out there to say, you know, Levi's toll booth would be in a place that was busy with people coming and going, leaving, and it's not just in some little corner somewhere. So Jesus is out on the main road somewhere, passing by, and says to Levi, follow me. Again, the same things he said to Peter and, and Andrew and James and John, which asked the question, does he know him from some other well? And I write that down there in point four. Um, chapter two, verse 15. I'm going to read it here. In, let's go, I'm going to go back to Matthew or Mark in my Bible, please, so I can read this. I've got it there on the notes, too. I guess I can read the notes. I'll read the notes. That's the English Standard Version. I like that better. Chapter 2, verse 15. Verse 4. Now, watch how fast this moves. Typical Mark style, verse 14 and 15. And as he passed by, okay, verse 13. He's by the sea. Verse 14. He's walking by Levi, calls Levi. Verse 15. He's at a, at, at, at a supper at Levi's house. So here it was, 13, 14, 15. He went out again beside the sea, and all the crowd was coming to him, and he was teaching them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Elphias, sitting at a tax booth, and he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. 
And as he reclined at a table in his house, Levi's house, Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. I mean, that is just, I mean, talk about a, a fast-moving, that's the whole way the book of Mark is written, it's just like, fast. So Jesus goes, uh, calls him, Levi follows him, and he must know what he's getting into. I, uh, Levi has to know, because follow me, follow you where? I mean, he's got to know, there's got to be some information that Levi knows what he's being called to. Again, does he understand clearly what he's being called to? Peter knows he's going to be called to fish for men, what, you know, gather men, collect men. Uh, Levi knows that he's going to follow the teacher, and maybe he's going to resume his Levitical responsibilities or whatever. He's going to follow him. Does he fully understand? No, just like when Abraham left to, to go to the land of Canaan, he, did, he followed, not knowing exactly where he was going. Um, reclining at the dinner party indicates a formal banquet, this is point five, or fashionable dinner party. They didn't just go get sandwiches, they're reclining, which means they're on cushions. And, and you're going to see there's many guests there. There's other tax collectors. When it says tax collectors and sinners, you, this is one of those stories where you should not think these are the downtrodden and outcasts, these are the lepers of society. These are not the lepers and the downcasts. These are the tax collectors and their friends. And a tax collector is not poor. A tax collector was wealthy, and their friends were power players. So you should be thinking uh, people that are they're, they're Jewish, but they're not necessarily, well, yeah, they have, in a sense, sold out Judaism for the Romans, for the Herods, for the things of this world. Uh, and, and sinners uh, is in quotes because we've got to talk about what that means. Uh, it means sinners who are sinning. But again, that, that, that's everybody. And it's identified on who's, who's calling them sinners. So Levi is, we would say he's upper class. He's got a nice house. He's got his friends, the other tax collectors. They're dressed well. They're sitting there. And then they brought all the sinners in or their sinner friends. That doesn't mean they're out there bringing homeless people in and people with leprosy and that have fallen out. They're, they're the, the players of Capernaum. These are some of the key players of Capernaum. And the thing is, Jesus is there. Jesus is reclining with them on these cushioned, or these cushions laying on one side. They have low tables. I don't even know how I would eat at them. You'd lay on your side, and then you, you, you kind of have your feet would be straight. You understand what I'm saying? You had anybody explain that to you? Again, this is again, again. This is me drawing. Here's here's a low table. I mean, we're talking a low table, and then there'd be cushions, and you'd be laying here like this. Here's your head. Here's your feet coming out like this. Okay, okay this is going to look terrible. Okay, there, there looks like some kind of a minnows or something going into a fish net. But you know, you're laying like this, not laying across, by the table like this because you take up the whole table. You'd have to be laying you know, uh, along the table like this on your side, eating with one hand, and you'd be talking. I mean, the reason you're reclining on the table is not that you're going through drive through to get a quick pizza or hamburger or something, is you're, you're there talking. So you've got the tax collectors, the rich people, all their rich power player friends who are in the world of the Herods and the Romans and making money, and Jesus laying right there on a cushion with them, eating. It appears, Levi, and I think it's pretty clear, Levi is honoring Jesus in his home and wants to introduce his friends 
to Jesus. So he invites all of his friends, and it happens fairly quickly. So you've got a banquet laid out. Now, if how fat long, how quickly can you throw a banquet together? If you're Levi with the resources and the friends that you've got, we're having a party tonight, and you call the caterers in, and it, you're throwing a party. And you invited Jesus there. And so Jesus is laying there eating, reclining at the table with all of these friends of Levi. Uh, that's uh, uh, point A. The, the banquet was at Levi's nice residence in Capernaum. Levi intended to honor Jesus and introduce his friends to Jesus. Again, I'm assuming some of these things. The word sinners simply means sinful. And is used to identify people who are this. Sinning, sinful, depraved, or detestable. But now you've got to understand who is calling them a sinner. If you are a sinner in God's eyes, well, first of all, everyone's a sinner in God's eyes. Certain acts are sins in God's eyes because God's the one identifying it. But in this story, who is identifying the sinners? The people that are identifying the sinners in this story, that's why it's in quotes in the NIV, are the scribes and the Pharisees, which they don't consider themselves sinners. They can identify sinners. Now, if we were to talk who's sinners, we're all sinners in God's eyes, saved by grace in Jesus Christ. These guys, Levi was a tax collector and his friends were sinners because they'd sold out. They were not following the, the Pharisees and the scribes. Interesting, in this verse, they identify Jesus and his disciples as separate from the tax collectors and the sinners so they're not calling jesus disciples sinners in the story they're apparently calling the friends that levi has brought in as sinners because they are not following the pharisees and so that's kind of interesting because one of the words there is uh detestables there there that's one of the one of the, the translations of the word is the detestables in the eyes of the pharisees these are the detestables these are the people that don't agree with me they are detestables why would jesus who we think might be on our side go eat with these detestables that are not even on our side they disagree with us and you may be able to figure some recent political uh, situation where the word detestables came up just interesting these were sinners in the eyes of the Pharisees. Since these are not associated with Jesus' other disciples, they may have been sold out to Rome. Uh, yet these were wealthy, successful people that are associated with Levi. Again, these are, not, these are not the losers of the world. These are the ones who are playing the game, winning the game of life right here in Capernaum. They're just not doing it the way the Pharisees want it done. Uh, this is the first time the word uh, is used by Mark for disciples. Note there are many uh, here, the, in, in the, here, look at the, uh, the Greek. I've got the Greek there for you in, in the tr- and transliterated and translated. I'll just read through it, just a literal reading. And it came to pass, reclining of him in the house of him. Again, that him. See, in the Greek, who is it? Well, we're gonna, we know it's Levi from Matthew. That many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and the disciples of him. There were for many, and they were following him. So now, you've got this group of tax collectors and sinners, and Jesus and his disciples are reclining at this day. So now all of a sudden, you've got Jesus, and you've got his disciples, and you've got the friends and the tax collectors. You've got more than just this little table. You've got, you've got a pretty nice house laid out here, and you've got quite a few people there. 
But when it says disciples, don't think yet the 12 apostles, these disciples of him are the people following Jesus, and that's identified here. There were many, and they were following him. So in other words, Jesus goes into Levi's house, and many of his followers came in, or his disciples came in. So you can just see Jesus taking this group of followers teaching them, healing, casting out demons, meeting them at the Sea of Galilee, teaching them. And now he tells Levi, follow me. Levi says, well, can you come over for supper tonight? I'm going to have a banquet for you. Sure, I'll be there. And all these people that Jesus is leading, they go into the tax collector's house and the sinner's house, eat with the sinners. So Jesus is misleading this entire group of people and they're going to a, a tax collector's house whose money can't be accepted as a donation whose very presence makes everything in the house unclean, and it's, you're, you, you can lie to them if you wanted to because they're, 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 they're criminals, they're, they're, they're detestables. And yet Jesus is in there leading his disciples in there with Levi and his friends. So now notice Jesus, and this is going to be key right here, Jesus is the guest at Levi's house. So now the next verse I'm going to go back and read it off the notes here, page 1. And the scribes, verse 16, right away, and the scribes of the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, they're trained, they are very rigid, they're doing things right, they are righteous because they make the right sacrifices, they're righteous because they obey the law, they are not what they'd say sinners because they are doing everything right as best they can. When they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors. Again, you, you understand the eating with them. He's not just talking to them. He's not just in the house. He's eating with them, reclined at a table, talking with them like he's comfortable. I mean, the guy is comfortable and making his disciples comfortable in this situation. He's eating with tax collectors and sinners, the detestables, again, we're thinking right there, those that don't agree with us. And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but the sinners. And again, we've already explained that. It's, it's fairly self-explanatory, obviously, but I do want to draw a couple things out. Those who are well have no need of a physician. You, you Pharisees, uh, you're fine. You, and it, now, is he saying you're fine, or is he saying you think you're fine? but you're not meaning you'll never you'll never go to the doctor because you think you're fine it's only the sick who are going to go to the doctor because they think i've got a problem these people realize they've got a problem they're willing to say yes we are sinners and we are the the detestables we need help and jesus says, well i'm here to help you it's not the law it's not the sacrifices it's me i'm here to help you and and now now what happens right here notice what he says here I came not to call the righteous, but the sinners. In other words, the guest, Jesus is the guest at the party, but actually, when he gets there, he tells the Pharisees, I'm the host. We're at Levi's house. I'm a guest at Levi's house. I have called them here because I am calling the sick. And so all of a sudden, Jesus is no longer the guest. He is now the one sponsoring this party at Levi's house. And it doesn't matter if he's a tax collector, these guys are sinners. I'm, I'm here calling them to follow me, not to be a tax collector, not to be a sinner, not to be a Pharisee, but I'm calling them to 
my kingdom. And now all of a sudden, just in, in that one statement right there, you see all of a sudden the whole table's turn. Jesus is no longer the guest. He's now in charge of the party. And the Pharisees, he says, you've got to realize what I'm doing. I'm calling these people to follow me. Levi's going to follow him. Levi invited other tax collectors and other sinners, other power players in the Capernaum, and they're hearing Jesus, and he's, he's talking, he's teaching them. And again, that's the first conflict, or the second conflict that we see right there. Oh my goodness. And then we've got uh, some more conflicts coming here, which is interesting. So it's kind of interesting the way it ends. The guest uh, becomes the host and, and again turns the tables on his critics. Uh, and uh, there's, there's much more as you put this whole thing together to go into the culture and, and you can kind of make application to what we're doing in our own lives. But to see that in real time as a, as a tax collector working for Antipas in Capernaum where Peter's a fisherman, Jesus has got a house and he's got a residence, he's teaching. And then you got to ask the question. I mean, they're in, they're in Levi's house. Who's, who's, how are the, are these, these stories in Mark, they kind of just give the picture that all these things are happening. They're just all kind of like creepers, you know, they're just kind of like trolling Jesus. They're like in the corner of the room, kind of like, you know, it's like he's teaching, you know, the, the paralytic, he's teaching, but they, they appear to be sitting in this crowded house in the front row. Well, now he's reclining at this table, the way Mark presents it, and the Pharisees are saying, why is he here eating with these people? And, and it's like he interrupts the whole conversation to address these guys who are like just standing over here in Levi's house, leaning against the corner. I don't know why you're doing it. And, and they can't, I mean, they really can't be, I mean, I don't want to come against the scripture, but they can't be in the house of the tax collectors. They would never go in the house. So they must be outside the house uh, some, so they're not like directly in the scene so you can imagine this meal going on all night jesus talking having a nice time with these people and then somewhere in the conversation if the disciples are outside the house or as people were leaving you know like the pap- paparazzi as they're how do you say it? Pap- paparazzi is, is that right paparazzi they're coming out and they're sticking microphones in the disciples faces and the cameras are glaring at them and jesus is trying to come out with his face covered up you know and it's like oh we caught you what are you guys doing in there and it's like they're outside asking these questions and jesus stops and addresses the the camera crew from cnn and you know and like and this is that is that how it's happening you know i don't know but anyway it's, it's just a lot of interesting things i'll pray and i appreciate you being here Father, we do thank you for the chance to look into these things. We do ask that we would learn from these, that we would judge our own hearts, that we would be doing the work of the ministry, but we'd also be responding to Jesus in a positive way as we see Levi doing, bringing his friends, uh, bringing others, introducing them to Jesus, then going ahead and following and actually uh, becoming a teacher himself and writing the Gospels. Father, we ask that we would be one of these people that would respond to you in a positive way and understand the things you're doing and, and continue to grow. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for your time. Any thoughts?